0: With Ali Rizwi and Armin Navabi.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Secular Jihadist for a Muslim Enlightenment. And now we are back here. We're back to this thing that happens every five or six years. Um, We've got violence in the Middle East, specifically in Israel and Palestine. So this is what's happening. You know, Israel... Um, there's a new conflict, new stimulus, an event happened, there was a reaction to it, there's a reaction to the reaction, there's a reaction to the reaction. And of course, the initial event was a reaction to a whole bunch of other things that happened before that. So you're going to hear a lot of things here. Um, it's going to probably trigger everybody. Everyone's going to have some issues with everything that we say. That's just the nature of this whole topic. But what we have to understand, and this is the really, really unfortunate part, is uh, this Conflict has been going on for over 70 years. Whatever we talk about today, eventually will get resolved temporarily. And then five or six years later, it's going to start again and it's going to continue. And I don't think there's really going to be an end to it until there's a natural, I don't know, inevitability towards th- there was going to be a two-state solution potentially. I think the times run out for that. So ultimately, um, I, I don't know what it's going to look like at the end. We'll talk about it. But Armin...
2: Um, yeah i i don't even know how i'm gonna fit all my thoughts into the next hour we might be, we might have to go a bit over time yeah. um I, i''ve, I've I, got i've got a
1: hard stop at midnight though that's the only issue but okay We'll try some um, I do
2: um, I do have to first acknowledge the fact that we have uh, patreon questions that we will get to um, th- we are doing something new where we, uh, al- we because a lot of people say that they can't show up uh, a lot of patrons are not able to come live and ask their questions live so we did a new thing on patreon we post these ahead of time and we let people ask their questions ahead of time uh, and I'm so glad to see that actually we do have three questions. Uh, already ahead of time. So you, as a patron, you don't have to show up live to be able to ask your questions. You could post your questions ahead of time uh, and we will answer it during these live streams, right? So this is a thing, that, new thing we're doing for patrons. Um, okay. But yeah, but you could also ask them live by the way. I already see people in the live chat. Um, guys, if you're in the live chat, please also post your questions. Anyways, I don't, um, I don't know where, how to start about this. Um, I do have to say that we have some of our biases. Uh, but we're going to try, I'm going to try to uh, represent, um, I've been listening and following so many people on this and I'm going to try to represent um, what's uh, every side is saying as much as, as, as steel them as much as possible. Okay. Right, so right. I don't know uh, we could, we could either go uh, specifically look at what's happening in the past few days and first address that. Um, Ali, I'm hearing echo. If you could reduce my audio, audio that would be great. Mm-hmm. Or, or we could, uh, and then we could go look at bigger picture and see what what the whole issue is, where we're heading, bigger picture, and what the problem is, uh, and basically solve the problem for them in the Middle East, and then move on to bigger problems. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, but but no, but yeah, but so uh, w- certain things happened um, that doesn't seem. Uh, I might say some things that is going to seem conspiratorial, all right? But I'm just going to put it out there, and maybe it's completely wrong, but the results speak for themselves. Whether or not it was planned or not, it, the the results are happening in favor of the people who, if they had planned it, it it's, it's working out exactly um, perfectly for them, Okay. So, I don't know how we're going to, Ali, you want to get started um, about your views on how it got started and I will poke holes at it.
1: Yeah, so let's start this because I mean, I, I don't think we can take the entire thing from the beginning, but let's just talk about the factual timeline of what happened. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, there have been rising tensions in the West Bank and East Jerusalem. There's been a court case happening about the East Jerusalem, you know, the people who've been living there for decades. um, And uh, there is a decision by the Supreme Court of Israel. I don't know if it came out or whether it's planned or it's expected, uh, where the Palestinian residents in Sheikh Jarrah, which is, you know, it's in in the East Jerusalem neighborhood, uh, have to be evicted so settlers are going to come in they can essentially take the people and ask them to move out of their homes and many of them have been living there for decades and et cetera. Et cetera. this has been happening for a very long time uh, the settlement expansion and uh, East Jerusalem settlers are going to come in and everybody's seen videos and things like that online you know you see these uh, people who are having to leave their homes and settlers coming in and so on so that happened um, and then there were protests uh, there was a storming of the Al-Aqsa Mosque uh, which is, you know, the Temple Mount, Mount compound. Same thing. It's very, very sacred to mm. the, to both uh, Palestinian, well, Muslims and Jewish people, religious Jews. Uh, and then, yeah, just took to, right. took went from there. Uh,
0: yeah, Hamas so, got
1: involved. They started firing rockets into Israel. Israel's Iron Dome intercepted them. Israel went and did airstrikes, etc. Yeah. And this is pretty much what happens every four or five years. So that's. What it is now, if you want to go back and talk about what the original cause was, you're going to go back all the way to I don't know when. And So,
2: you can have Sheikh Jarrah so is a neighborhood in East Jerusalem that is, um, you could again, I know as soon as I we say legally it was owned by a certain by Jewish people, people are going to be like, Well, those are Jewish. Those laws are written by Israel, but then we could go to international laws, and then that would become a huge discussion. But yeah, uh, whether the the international
1: Um, law says the opposite, I don't. That's just
2: well, that's debatable, Ellie. Mm -hmm. But let's. Can I finish? Yeah, what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, but the the thing is that what what uh, technically it's true that um, those lands were owned by Jewish people, but there are certain things that if you pay attention to. It seems like the timing of everything that happened uh, and the way that it happened was intentional for causing conflict, okay? So even, yes, the Sheikh Jarrah, those lands, those houses does legally uh, belong to some Jewish people, but there was a way for those Jewish owners to maintain ownership over those uh, houses, uh, and Palestinians to be remain there with, as tenants for those people, and that was actually recommended by the court. However, uh, it, this was intentionally rejected by uh, these by some Jewish people. Uh, and if you actually look at um, what was happening at the same time, was one of Netanyahu's um, close political allies opened an office like in that in the in, in the Jerusalem area as a symbolic way to basically poke uh to be, for with the intention of poking okay and to get a reaction here's the thing the reaction has been by certain arabs uh groups have been and some Ar- certain arab leaders is not defendable right but at the same time the jewish far uh, right groups Seem to be fishing for that react- reaction, right? I'm not trying to both side it here, okay? But I'm just telling you what's happening, okay? I'm just telling you what's happening. I'm not trying to say they are morally equivalent. I'm not doing anything at that. I'm not even, I'm not even analyzing who's morally like worse, right? I'm just telling you what's happening, okay? It does seem like Netanyahu is doing exactly what he does every time he's in trouble. He causes tensions every time he's in trouble. Okay, during the month of Ramadan, they put the barriers. Um, it, they, they they did they did certain things around the, um, Masjid al-Aqsa and around Dome of the Rocks, um, knowing that this is going to get rioters out. Right, they did this whole situation. Uh, With in in Sheik Jarrah, knowing it's going to get a reaction, right? They and uh, they they also let a lot of these far right Jewish groups come to that area to instigate to get a reaction, without the police stopping them, knowing we have seen the Israeli police stopping other protests, other rioters, not protest rioters when it when they needed to like they could have easily handled this and they didn't it seemed it does seem like they wanted some sort of conflict okay and whether this is true or not maybe let's say this is not true the results have been exactly every time this seems like Netanyahu's time is up I don't know if this is time is going to work or not but the main political like we we now seem to be going for a fifth election in Israel and Netanyahu seemed like okay this time you're this time you're done every time he seemed, he pulls something out of the hat the man is a magician the man Netanyahu is a freaking genius okay right now the, his major political rival that seemed to be uniting with his opposition that was going to unseat him from power now after all of this conflict they are not opposing him anymore and it seems like he might get a shot at not being removed from his position, right? So if that works, that means all of this actually end up working like every other time that Netanyahu did something, something similar. Okay, I, so yeah, go on.
1: I, I, I want to. I, I want to point out because when you're saying that this is, I completely agree with this. Is a, this is a Netanyahu election thing, and there's a lot of other things at play. And I'm going to quickly. List. First of all, this was a the night of Laylatul Qadr. Right? It was a very holy night for Muslims. Right when they stormed the Al-Aqsa Mosque, it's also it's it's a Jewish holiday, right? A very revered Jewish holiday. They both coincided, so that's also something that they actually chose this time to go ahead and do this. Um, It's really really hard to think that there wasn't that this is just coincidence when both of these things can coincide. Yeah, there there are a lot of things happening with, uh, you know, the the Israelis, they can't really stop having elections. They keep on having elections and there's no real resolution to them. Meanwhile, on the Palestinian side, Hamas is trying to gain control and represent politically uh, this, you know, the whole Palestinian cause. On the other hand, Fatah is completely incompetent. Like, you know, there's so there is a there are a lot of things that are coming together where this really, really benefits Netanyahu. I completely agree with it. But go on.
2: No, so just to be clear, guys, I consider myself a Zionist, okay? I want Israel to prosper, and I want Israeli people to be safe and secure. I also want Palestinian people to prosper, and I want more safety, security for them, and I also want them to actually have rights, and I also want them to be not electing a government that doesn't have much say in their day to day. Le- the, the government that is uh, has a more effect on Palestinians' lives is the one that is in is the Israeli government, not the Fatah right and they have no say in who is basically controlling their life. I want more rights for the Palestinians and I want safety and security for Israeli citizens and I consider myself a Zionist and I want secularism to to defend secularism in Israel and all the things that I just said as a Zionist as somebody that wants the best for Israelis and Palestinians, I think Netanyahu is horrible for everything that I mentioned. I think Netanyahu is the enemy of the Israeli people. I think Netanyahu and far, the far-right parties in Israel are, are a disaster for the safety and security of Israelis, not only for safety and security of Israelis, but for the Zionist project as a whole. I think mm. the greatest threat to Israel As we speak, and I know this, and I know this is something that a lot of people will think like this is too much. I'm going to say it anyways. The greatest threat to Israel's survival of Israel as we speak is not the Islamic Republic of Iran, it's not Hamas, it's not Hezbollah. The greatest threat to Israel as we speak is Netanyahu and far right politicians in Israel.
1: Yeah. So I. Yeah. I've, so I've actually said exactly that on this, and we've both said it, I think, in previous episodes of the show, long time ago. That it, it, the that Netanyahu and the Likud government is a bigger threat to Israel as a state, and a bigger existential threat to Israel as a Jewish democratic state, as both a Jewish and a democratic state, than Iran is ever going to be. But listen, Armin, I want to ask you to clarify one thing. So you, Zionism, being a Zionist, has a lot of different definitions. Some people call it, they think it's just a state for Jews. It doesn't have to be in the Middle East. It can be anywhere. It can be in British Columbia. It can be in Uganda. Um, the other people say that Zionism, like the Zionist, is just having a state for for uh um the jews in that specific uh, that specific area right that's prescribed in the scriptures right mm-hmm. it, th- you know the it, where it is right now and then there is a another aspect of zionism where they say that entire all of judea and samaria should be part of israel so that support that view of zionism supports the occupation and supports settlement expansion which one are you
2: i i am as zionist i just I'm a defender of Israel's existence and its rights to defend itself against all her enemies, uh, including Netanyahu. Um, And I think that um, Israel, as could be a symbol, um, not only needs to exist um, as a place for Jewish people around the world uh, to be uh, considered a safe place for them against discrimination that they face number they are the, one of the most attacked and discriminated against group of people around the world and the fact that they have a place that they could go to for safety is extremely important to me um and and but i also want this land that it has become a land for people who were attacked by every almost every country on another planet to become a symbol uh, for freedom for security for other groups um like you know like and against all form of discrimination like the against the muslims in china or in india um or a, a country that is takes the first step ahead of everybody else to basically recognize things like the armenian genocide like basically not only Become a symbol for for safety and security for the oppressed in Israel, but also around the world. Right, that's my version of Zionism. Right, yeah. but uh, but the main thing that makes me a Zionist is the fact that I defend Israel's existence, uh, and its right to protect itself. Yeah. Um, and I and I think that the settlements in the West Bank is it goes against that interest. And I think the creeping uh, far right or ultra-Orthodox Judaism in Israeli politics um, with the help of Netanyahu goes against that interest. And I think some people like Netanyahu, let let me actually make this clear, because I'm not, a lot of people are like thinking, like when I say Netanyahu is a greater risk to Israel than Hamas, they mean like, like, oh, really, Armin? Like you're you're comparing Netanyahu to a genocidal, um, to an extremist uh, radical genocidal group uh, that wants to basically elim- eradicate every single Jewish person in Israel. Uh, yes, yes, I am, because Netanyahu doesn't care about Israeli people. Netanyahu doesn't care about Palestinian people. Netanyahu doesn't care about anybody. Netanyahu only cares about Netanyahu. Okay, everything he does, he we have he basically sw- swings from one group to another. Anything that is in his best interest he will he will do he will he will get he will start a coalition with the devil um or worse yahweh if he had to to be to be able to stay in power right yeah, yeah. but like i have so many examples of this i don't even know if i want to go um i mean and this is not something new from from its inception for uh, right-leaning groups in israel they have even worked i guys the way you need to look at this is not Palestine versus Israel. It's not Palestine versus Israel. It's Hamas and Netanyahu and far far right politicians in Israel. They're on the and Hezbollah. They're on the same freaking side. Okay, yeah. I mean, uh, um, ideologically, not they're on the same side, but practically, it ends up that they're on the same side. Right. It's basically Netanyahu, Hamas, and Hezbollah. Versus the Palestinian people and the Israeli people, and I know the Palestinian people and the Israeli people themselves don't recognize this, but they are being used for the sake of other people's position, for the for the relevancy and the power of Hamas, Hezbollah, and Netanyahu. Okay, the Palestinians and the Jewish people, the the Arab. No, let me actually clarify this. Okay not the Israelis and Palestinians. The Jews and the Arabs, between the Jordanian River and the Mediterranean Sea, there is enough land for both of them. They are all capable of living with each other in peace and there is enough for everybody to go around. If they just, the only thing that is making them not able to live with each other is the stories that they're being told about their past, about their ethnicity and about their religion. If they are told if the the only reason why they're fighting is because they have believed these stories. If they are if they believe in different stories, there's not the, there's no lack of resources and there's no lack of space for these people. It's only because there are other people that are using them, using these people for their own interests. And if they could only see that, I mean, and they won't though, because we have seen what one thing that we have seen is that. It's not just uh, the the stories that we have been told has sunk deep to the Jewish and the Arab uh, minds because we we see that it's not just uh, the you know Netanyahu like uh, it's not just Hamas throwing missiles um, in Tel Aviv. We we just saw so many videos of civilians attacking civilians. This goes against (coughs) this goes against so many years of goodwill that we have uh, that we managed like when I w- when I was in Tel Aviv when I was in Jerusalem I saw so many Arabs and Israel and Jewish people living side by side without even noticing who's an Arab and who's a Jew okay I saw the sweet shop in Tel Aviv which was owned by by some Arabs and the, the the people that were standing in line to get some sweets it went like it went to the, so long it went like all, all to the next street and there were so many Jew- the jews jews were buying sweets from the arabs because they did had no nobody cared that these were jewish people i was in jerusalem on sabbath when everything was closed in jerusalem all the non-religious jews they t- they got in their cars and they went to the next city that was an arab city because nothing everything over there was open so the jewish people were taking advantage of this arab city that was not closed on sabbath because they didn't care about the fact that these are arab owning restaurants they only cared about food and a lot of them admitted that arabs make better hummus than jews okay so this is this is they are this is how they can live with they are capable we have seen for so many years that they are capable of living next to each other without any fights but then after so many years of building that goodwill we we things like this the videos that go virals are the Jewish people that are civilian Jewish radicals that are attacking um, civilian Arabs in the streets and the radical Arabs that are attacking Jewish people in the streets? And it's just like, and that's what's gonna go viral. That's what's gonna get, stay in our mind. That's what we're gonna remember. And it just takes one event like this to basically undo years worth of building goodwill. Mm-hmm. So go on. Now. Yeah,
1: I wanna, so I wanna say two things here right? That's important. And and this is, you know, one thing Armin said, and again, we've said it here before. Uh, Israel really should exercise its right to defend itself um, against its existential enemies like Benjamin Netanyahu. Okay, and let me talk about the main thing, the main reason why this is a fact. This is actually a fact, and it's just simple demographics. And this is a problem we've talked about here before. It's called the demographic time bomb in Israel-Palestine that with the settlement expansion, everything's going on. It's kind of inevitable. One of the uh, Patreon comments, we're going to get to that question too. He said that Armin has said that a one state solution is inevitable. At this point, it is. And it's something that Netanyahu wants. Here's what the problem is Israel prides itself on being a Jewish state and a democratic state. Okay. 50% of the population, roughly, in uh, Israel, Palestine is Arab. Okay. Now, if you have a uh, one state, one state, and, that it's, and it's democratic where everybody has the right to vote. You're going to end up with the 51st Arab state of the world. Israel is not going to be a Jewish state anymore because they're not going to elect. It's not going to be Jewish. So 50% of the population is going to be Arab and they're going to elect their own leaders. Uh, if you don't give the Arabs the right to vote, if you don't give a majority of the Arabs the right to vote, then you will stay a Jewish state. You're not going to be a democracy. Okay, So one state solution means that Israel is going to have to choose choose between being either a Jewish state or a democracy. This is a fact. It's a democratic the democ- it's a demographic fact. Sorry. And then there's no way around it. Like this is inevitable. So that's one way. This is an existential threat to Israel as a Jewish democratic state. So that's one thing. And the second thing is there there needs to be a distinction, as Armin was kind of talking about, between the Palestinian people and Hamas. Right? Hamas has an agenda and I don't like I don't like it when people Think of, okay, Palestinians were attacking, calling them terrorists. Okay, Hamas has a terrorist agenda. Like they do want to, even if you gave Israel, if Israel gave, you know, like if Palestine became a separate independent nation with its own army and Hamas had any kind of influence over it, Hamas's agenda, even in a separate independent Palestinian state, that would find some grievance and some excuse to go and attack Israel and wipe it off the face of the earth. Okay, everybody who lives in that region and who's familiar with this, knows this, especially the Arabs, right? And especially the Muslims. We all know this. Now, aside from Hamas, though, if you take that I'll be careful
2: with what you're saying, because uh, YouTube might actually strike. Okay. Even if you say Hamas wants that, YouTube doesn't know that. Okay, Okay,
1: got it. Uh, But if you take away from Hamas and you look at just the regular Palestinian people, and this is something that, Armin, I know you've been there. I talk to people like this all the time. I know a lot of people that I that I've had conversations with about this who are in the region, right? There is a, I I don't think that when you are under military occupation, when you're under military occupation by one of the most powerful armies in the world and you don't have your own airspace, you don't have your own, you you know, your rights are limited, you don't have any say over the people who are ruling you, you don't have access to travel all over the place, you don't have uh, an independent army, you don't have anything like that. Uh, w- when you're in a situation like that, right? And the the, the it's so uneven. The bo- both sides are so uneven, and you strike back. That's an insurgency. That's a place where you are. You're not going in. That's not that's not terrorism. That's desperation, and you're trying to fight back somehow. You're holding these protests. Nope. People are hold on. I'm I'm talking about the Palestinians. That's a very different thing from what Hamas does. Right? And, and this is why you're right. I mean, Hamas actually plays into Hamas is damaging for Palestinians who are looking for independence. And Hamas is actually helping the Israelis who want to use this whole uh, terrorism idea that all the Palestinians are terrorists. They, they want to use that idea to justify the military occupation indefinitely. Right? So th- th- yeah, those are the two things I think that are, that are really at the crux of this. Like this, whatever it is, whenever you talk about which side did what, everything, you have to remember that there is a military occupation, there's settlement expansion that's going on that is purely rooted in religious fundamentalism, purely. There's no other reason to expand settlement. There's no reason to go into the West Bank and build settlements or to go. There's absolutely no reason to do that that is rational or secular or legal or legal, right? If you look at the U.S. administrations all going all the way to Lyndon Johnson, Republican, Democratic Everyone has opposed the settlements, with the exception of Trump. Every no, single no, no, no.
2: Trump also, Trump Even also every-
1: opposed it. Okay. Yep. All right. So, but but everyone, this has been a consistent U.S. policy. They have opposed it. The U.N. has opposed it. This has made this is the fact that it has made Israel a pariah. This is continuing all the settlement expansion because they need the votes of the settlers and the super super religious, um, you know, faith head Jewish people uh, who who want to continue doing that, right? And and this is not so so when 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 you do that you make the two state solution impossible and when you are inev- inevitably heading towards a one state solution that is the death it is the death of israel as a jewish democratic state because it can't be both then it just can't all
2: right yeah can i all right yeah, uh, let me let's i just want to be clear about this okay because a lot of people are not very right in the head So they don't understand that when we criticize, because their minds are binary and they're thinking black and white terms. And for them, I know like most of you understand this, but for those idiots who might think that we might be making any excuses for Hamas or Hezbollah, okay? First of all, if you think that you're you're a moron, okay? Uh, Second of all, do not let any, like, when we criticize netanyahu for using organizations like hamas for his for his own political agenda that is in no shape or form any excuse or any justification for what hamas does or what it stands for okay it's you should be able to look at what netanyahu is doing and Look at what these far-right parties in Israel are taking Israel in the direction of without somebody constantly throwing, but Hamas, but Hamas in your face, okay? Just, if anybody tries to do that to you, just tell them at the beginning, like, hey, Hamas, bad, right? We uh, Hezbollah, bad, Hamas, bad. We agree on that, okay? We agree they're evil organizations, they're genocidal and there's nothing that they do, or nothing that they stand for, that any both of us can defend. Agree? Okay, agree. Can we talk? Can we now look at what Netanyahu is doing with the help of these organizations? That's one thing. Okay. However, I also have to mention that when you criticize the the far right groups and Netanyahu's administration, do not let anybody ever. Come and say, well, can you blame Hamas though? Can you blame these resistance groups? Like you, you see, like yes, I can blame them, right? Just because I am very much against the right wing politic p- politicians in Israel and what they're doing to Israel, that doesn't mean that I will use that ever as any as a way to justify these groups and their their. Human rights violations. Okay, if you want to be like, oh, he's against Netanyahu, so he's like justifying him. Your mind is broken. Go, go fix it before. Like you, you can't use. You're, you're thinking, you're thinking uh, binaries. So go fix that. Okay, uh, that's one thing. I do want to touch on what Ali just said. There are only if you want to think about this longer term, and this is go goes back to why we think. Netanyahu is such a threat to Israel all right and anybody like even if he's gone anybody that thinks like him anybody anybody that basically wants to constantly use uh, the Islamic Republic of Iran Hezbollah and Hamas as a way to remain in power they are sacrificing Israelis these are people who are sacrificing Israelis future for their own careers okay uh, so I, we're just mentioning Netanyahu because that's him right now. He just, But he just symbolizes that way of thinking right now, okay? Anybody else that comes and does the same thing, same goes to him, right? But there are three, just to clarify what the situation is, there's only three options, okay? Either a two-state solution, the status quo, or a one-state solution, okay? The two-state solution has been made close to impossible because of the Settlements. I don't know if it's completely impossible. Somebody might be able to come and save it. I've been told somehow people like, oh, but if this happens and that happens and we pull out of here and then they're like, oh, we give these lands to that people. Like, okay, but is that going to happen? They're like, no. Okay. So the two state solution that was basically the only chance to a peaceful resolution has been made impossible. Because of the settlements, thank you very much, Netanyahu. Okay, the status quo is not going to stay, Is not going to last forever. I don't know when. You can't just have all these people between the I, I, whatever you want to call this land between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. See, you have a whole bunch of people that are not being represented by any government that they have. A, that they have a decision in, right? The, these people are not represented. They, these people have no choice in anything that is happening in their lives. Uh, uh, some people call it apartheid. Some people like, oh, no, technically it's not apartheid because these are the definitions of apartheid. I don't know what you want to call it. These people have no say in who rules over their lives. They have no control the government that they vote for is not the government that actually makes the decisions on what happens in their lives. This is not going to last forever. So the last status quo at some point will end. What will ha- re- What's remaining? The remaining option is a one-state solution. How is this one-state solution is going to come about? I don't know. It's probably not going to be by choice. It's probably going to be forced upon these lands. The way it's going to be forced upon these lands could look extremely ugly. It could be less ugly, and it could be very ugly. I'm not even going to say what the version of extreme ugly is because I'm afraid about what YouTube is going to fake I'm saying. But that's going to be the eventual outcome if things go the same way. And guess what? Between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, there are, will be more Arabs than Jews. And I don't know what's... And at some point, but these people, whether it, the, I'm not going to mention the ugly way, But the less ugly way is that they're going to vote. Like they're going to be in a situation where everyone's votes is going to be equal. Not just the Arab Israelis. I'm talking about the Palestinians as well. They will have votes equal to the Jewish people that are living in Israel. I don't know what's going to be. I have no idea what's going to be the situation of Jewish people living under the land where every single Arab is in that situation is going to have the same equal wars to the Jews. I have no idea what lives are going to look like. I'm not talking about Jewish uh, uh, Arab Israelis. I'm also talking about every single person. Go look at the views that Arabs in Gaza Strip have about Jewish people. Okay? I'm not even I'm not going to say their views because we're going to get a strike if I mention their views. But go look at their average views and then think about the all their numbers And think about all those people in Gaza Strip one day having equal votes to Jewish people living in Israel. Okay? I fear for the Jews. I fear for the Jews. And guess who is making this inevitable, this situation inevitable? Netanyahu. Because of the settlements. This is what's happening. This is why I fear for Israeli Jews. This is why I think like the greatest threat to them is somebody like Netanyahu. Because of the settlements, because the settlements is has made the two-state solution, which was the only way out, impossible,
1: okay? We are so, I, I, I'm gonna mention, I'm gonna plug something right now. Seven years ago, I wrote an article called, uh, um, <coughs> was it, <laughs> something about, I can't even remember the title of it. It's like seven reasons uh, you shouldn't choose sides in the Middle East conflict or something like that. And it was actually one of the most widely read articles in uh, HuffPost history. And I think it's still relevant today. There's a few things in it that I would probably modify and update, but I'll put a link to it uh, in the description for this so you guys can read it as well. But, uh, Armin, like, this is something that we almost pretty much 100% align on. Like, I, I don't even have anything uh, to, to say in response to it. But I'm thinking, you know, we have, we have like... Uh, we have a lot of questions.
2: Have- yeah, I just have one more thing to touch on, which I'm not—I'm not sure what your views yeah. is going to be. No, on no, this. let's do it. Let's do it. Go for it. And then after that, we're going to go to Patreon questions. Okay. Yeah. Um, Patreon questions. Uh, so here's the thing, what, Ali. What do you think about? How do you respond to the fact that, um, like, so we took looked at everything big picture. What do you say about the miss the missiles that right now is being thrown in? to Gaza strip in response to Hamas's missiles being thrown into Israel
1: what do, what do i think of what aspect are you talking because about because
2: people are like saying that you're killing children in Gaza strip like i don't even know the numbers keep changing but last time i heard there was like at least 30 children i think who were dead yeah in Gaza strip something-
1: Look, man, I you need to avoid killing kids, no matter what. You have to avoid them. But there's a like, there is a problem. There's a problem, and I, again, I wrote about this in the article. This was a problem. It's been, it's always been, and this is goes to the heart of what you're saying about a Hamas is the enemy of the Palestinians, just like Netanyahu is the enemy of the Israelis, right? Um, they do that. There are videos that have come out with Hamas people telling Palestinians, people in Gaza. To bring their children out on rooftops. Bring out your children, because when the Israelis see that they're children, then they won't bomb them. They know, so that means two things. First of all, they know that Israel does not is, is not going to deliberately target children. In fact, they will often try to avoid legitimate targets because they see children, they don't want to kill the children. Because it doesn't help them. I mean, just going around all these pictures and videos that circulate of children dying, there's no way. That that has made Israel a pariah. Like, Israel has become a pariah in the world, including the Western world, right, because of all of these images that have come out. So it does not help them, does not help their cause. So I, I, I don't think it's deliberate. I think they try to avoid it. Hamas knows that. that that's why they ask Gazans to come out. This is on videos. You can watch them online, asking people to bring their kids out so that the Israelis don't bomb That's number one. Right? Um, so th- th- this is a problem. The, the second thing is uh, that when you, when you do have to strike back, I mean, someone's firing rockets at you, especially when it's Hamas, you have to fire back. Like I mean, you you have to you have to do something. That if you're not going to shoot missiles into it, you got to do something. But you have to avoid killing the kids, and it's just. It's. I, I don't know. I don't actually have a fully formed opinion on this. I, I really don't. I wish that there is, I would think in my mind, and I, I don't know that much about this. I don't know what the options are. I would think in my mind that if you are the most powerful and sophisticated military in the world, if you can take out an Iranian nuclear physicist, you know, with yes. artificial intelligence, if you have all of that technology, why can't you avoid killing children?
2: okay so actually yeah i have i have had a similar conversation i forgot the quote by this israeli um chief of staff that said something similar regarding the operations that needs to happen and mm. um, it needs to be a lot more targeted however okay here's the thing there's two ways to look at this right so uh, we know we know Hamas uses civilians as shields, shields. we know that okay um we also know that we um, just because your enemy uses civilians as shield, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't you shouldn't try to avoid, um, the, you know, targeting that shield, right? We also know that Hamas doesn't care about uh, hitting civilians. In fact, they actively target civilians on purpose, and Israelis' army does actually try to avoid civilians. However, that doesn't. Uh, mean that they are not to be blamed okay Um, the thing is that the argument is that we if any any other nation any other nation if they had missiles coming down upon them by their neighbors um, they would have responded similarly in throwing rockets back if not even more aggressively Okay, Um, and they also show that Israel does try to avoid citizens, but there's only so much you can do. So there's two issues with this uh, argument. Okay. The fact that Hamas is terrible, again, shouldn't be used as a way for us to not be able to criticize Israel's performance, okay? it's Everybody looks good if you compare them to Hamas, okay? Anyone's human rights record looks amazing if you compare them to Hamas. That should not be the benchmark, okay? Um, However, Israel could do better in two ways. First of all, the fact is that even if Israel had, even if Israel's hands are tied, that you like, you look, they're throwing missiles. We, they, the, the places in Israel where the Hamas operate like agents are, there are places where if we hit, civilians will die, but that doesn't mean we should not be hitting them. But who put Israel in this position that they're now forced to throw back missiles? into Gaza so if you zoom in at what's happening right now you might find an argument that we don't have a choice right people like well look um, Israel has a lot more military might and Hamas doesn't and this is a fair fight that's such a stupid criticism of Israel if your civilians are being attacked you don't try to tie your own hand like oh let's only use enough military that the same military power that our enemy has no, you use all your military power. You don't like it's not supposed to be a fair fight. If you are more powerful, you use all your power. The fact that your enemy has less power doesn't mean that you're going to withhold how much you could, what you can do in your response. That's such a dumb criticism of Israel. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, use everything you can against your enemies. Obviously, however, who put Israel in the situation where they now have to throw? missiles into Gaza. Israel's government put them into situation. As we discussed, both in short term and in long term, these conflicts are made by design for a purpose. So again, if you zoom in short term and you look at, oh, Hamas is throwing missiles into civilian areas, the idea of uh, the Israeli military has to respond in some way yes you might be able you have to have you might have an argument but once you zoom out and you see that this position was made by design then every single civilian that is dying in gaza their blood is on netanyahu's hand and that's if you think about it that way right so that's one point another point is that if you talk about uh, not only palestinian civilians that are dying their blood is on netanyahu's hands Uh, On Netanyahu's hands and Hamas's hands, the civilians that are dying in Israel, Israeli civilians that are dying, their blood is also on Netanyahu's hands, okay? The the issue with Fakhrizadeh, um, people say, like, look, here's the thing. When Mossad took out Fakhrizadeh, okay, his wife was centimeters away from him. The number, the number, how much collateral damage do we have when Fakhri was taken out by Israel? Zero, zero collateral damage. Okay, not even his wife. His wife was not even bruised, let alone die, Okay. However, the the point to this is like somebody might say like Armin Fakhri assassination was planned years ahead of time, and this was a major operation. You can't do that with every single Hamas. Act uh, leader inside Gaza, right? And you need a fast response, right? But do you really need a fast response? You don't need to wait for Hamas to attack to be able to take down their leaders the way their Fakhrizadeh was taken out. I'm telling you that it is way, it is within Israel's resources and capabilities for the m to completely annihilate hamas by taking out their leadership one by one if they wanted to if they can take fakhrizadeh in in iran with all the protection that he had with all the security with the, with how how big of an asset was fakhrizadeh to iran they are capable they don't even have to wait for an hamas attack they could go into time of peace hamas is an organization that you don't need excuses for them to take out their leaders. You could go in and eliminate their leaders, without with no with with no with no excuses needed. Okay, uh, and you could plan years for that. You could do that, but not only Hamas. Netanyahu came into power promising that he's uh, he's going to completely annihilate Hamas. Not only he did not do that; he actually let them get support. He let them get funding. He let them get resources from Qatar he opened the doors for them to get funding organization the hamas organization is an organization based on another islamic radical group that was actively funded by israel i don't know if you knew this ali as a way to fight the plo these yeah. these are these are israel's like hamas and israel's current government are allies and they need each other okay it's the same thing they need each other for their for the relevancy and for their existence okay and this is, happens everywhere okay the same way Modi uses Pakistan as soon as the elections are coming and he seems like he's gonna might not his power is in jeopardy he uses Pakistan as a way identity politics fear-mongering um, tribalism, Poking the bear so that I could get a reaction. All of a sudden, his popularity rate goes through the roof. This is a people say this is a conspiracy, but this is a conspiracy that has constantly worked over and over and over and over again by so many right leaning politicians, and it's continued to work. It works for Netanyahu and it works for Hamas. Do you think Hamas wants Israel to? to not exist no hamas again what you hear and what these people want are different hamas loves netanyahu hamas hamas wants netanyahu to be hamas wants palestinians lives to be miserable because it ba- it invests in their misery the islamic republic of iran invests and Hezbollah. they invest in the misery and victimization and oppression of the palestinian people and Netanyahu invests and banks on on this fear and on the security risk to the Israeli people. This is so obvious. This is so clear that if you are, if you don't see this, you are blind. Anyways,
1: sorry, you I'm muted. muted. Uh, yeah. So let's let's just go to we have twelve. And right. I'm I'm sorry, I have another call right at the time we finish. Right, so here's the I first question. Minutes.
2: Here, I put the first question here the, and I'm going to highlight it. Wait. Great. Um,
1: so uh, this is from Metroid Socrates. Uh, these are really good questions, by the way, from the patrons. So let's just do this really quickly. Uh, just, but, just to
2: clarify, these, these these are questions that were asked ahead of time. Before we went live, so that's... And again, we, uh, we, we are letting our patrons send our quest- their questions to us ahead of time so we could ask, uh, answer them, even if they're not here live with us on air. Go ahead.
1: Right, so Metroid Socrates is saying, do you think Israel should try to negotiate some kind of truce with Hamas? There have been multiple occasions where Hamas leaders have said they'd be willing to agree to a long, uh, long-term hudna. Okay, so a few years ago, they only asked that Israel relaxed the siege of Gaza in return. Right. So a few years ago, they did this. Uh, that, you know, you got to understand one thing about Gaza, that since uh, for many years now, Gaza is not under occupation. There's there's no occupying. There were settlers that were actually removed. They were in Gaza before. They were forcibly removed uh, by Israel many, many years ago. So it's not really technically, like, they, they have relaxed, relaxed the siege on Gaza. And it was kind of a test. And this happened some time ago. And it didn't really help much, as it's obvious. Um, so Hamas, you know, if they, if they did ask for this, to just relax the siege on Gaza. They do that. It doesn't really help. There's no, you got to understand with Hamas, there's no end to it. It's that they're not like the regular Palestinians, right? It's like when Antifa people get in and try to defend people who are fighting against police brutality, black people fighting against, it's, there's not, there's a huge disconnect between the two. Um, and you know, a lot of, a lot of Palestinians don't like Hamas. They don't. They don't like. Okay, Hamas but sucks. they're
2: elected by the Palestinians. Here's the thing. I uh, know.
1: Well, well, hold on, hold let's on. talk about that. that's a that's a loaded thing. Like when you say they're elected by the Palestinians, like they are. They're elected by Gazans, and they're elected by Gazans for a lot of other reasons. Like right. Fatah, the, the the other party, is completely when it comes to social services and providing things like that. They're they're completely useless. Hamas is very good at providing those things. But anyway, that's a All longer right. conversation. Yeah.
2: Okay. Say so. What you're right. Yeah so yeah so Hamas is elected by the Palestinian people and i just want to make it clear that uh Palestinian people making bad decisions uh or israeli people make making bad decisions and voting for netanyahu is not in any way should be used as an excuse to de- deny their uh, right to security and safety and prosperity okay yeah. uh so your Mitterrand is clarifying his question, saying I'm referring to all the restrictions and things that can be important to get Gaza for Israel. They were elected. Yeah, okay, so here's the thing. Um, what what Hamas says and what Hamas wants is two different things. What Hamas says to the uh, to the international community and what Hamas actually says for its own internal consumption by the by by Palestinians are completely contradictory. Hamas never wants anything. Uh, like Hamas is a pro There Like there is no way that Hamas will ever um, ne- like negotiation with Hamas does not make any sense. Okay, um, the only uh, I mean, as bad as Fatah is, again, I'm not. Here's the thing: if I say Fatah is better than Hamas, that's not a defense of Fatah. Fatah is horrible as well. But every, like, if you know anything about the politics, Fatah is the only organization that you could have negotiations with. Hamas is an is a terrorist group that should not be negotiated with. What they say should not ever be believed. Um, and removing any of the restrictions. Hamas might keep using Hamas might keep using starving Palestinians in the Gaza Strip as a way to t- to signal to the international community that the restrictions need to be lifted. But we know and they know that restrictions being lifted is mainly they they don't care about the Palestinians. They want to get missiles inside the Gaza Strip. That's what they want. Every like and Israel knows that, and that's why they would not negotiate with them when it comes to removing any of the restrictions. Okay, and in fact. The main reason why Hamas is in the best interest uh, of Netanyahu is because if Hamas wasn't a thing, then Israel would be more likely to be forced to actually negotiate with, with Fatah, right? So the whole idea of having Hamas there and having you know, Israel, Netanyahu wants the Palestinian people to elect Hamas because that will give them an excuse for actually not negotiating and not ever having a peace deal. Hamas is such a convenient um, enemy for Netanyahu that why would they negotiate with them? where not having a peace with the Palestinians is working. So why would he? Here, let me actually let me actually be very clear with everybody. Okay, a lot of people thinking like, but hey, if we just do this, we get peace. And if we do this, we get peace. Why are they not doing these things? We all know that if they do this and this and this, and that's why I do this and this and this, we're going to get peace. So why wouldn't they do it? Have you considered, here's the thing, a lot of people think that these people must be idiots. We all can see how we get peace. These people are morons. They're not morons. Maybe if you shift the way you're looking at things, maybe if you see that, maybe they don't want peace. Maybe everything will start making sense to everybody if you stop assuming that they're morons, but just start assuming that maybe peace is not actually a goal here. And then most of their actions start making sense to everybody, right? Yeah,
1: that's that's exactly it. Okay. So, yeah, let's get the second uh, uh, second. pre-patient question. Um, and this is I'll start reading it out now. Uh, where is it? Yeah. The private chat. Okay. Uh, Rachel Davies is asking, do you think the value placed on martyrdom in Islam should be considered when evaluating the differences in body count between sides? Does this belief contribute to a kind of recklessness with civilian and child lives by Palestinian leadership? Um, yeah, yeah. So here's a, the, the two different questions. Um, I don't think that the martyrdom thing in Islam should be considered because we're we're smarter than that. Yeah, the Quran does say that those people who die in the way of God are not really dead. So, you know, by that time, by that count, a lot of these casualty counts will drop dramatically. But that's not what it is. This is what we were talking about earlier. I mean, you don't have all of these people are not terrorists, right? Some of them are insurgents, and they are being militarily occupied. Like, they don't have freedom. They're locked in a place that's like the size of Manhattan, and, and they're super crowded, and they don't have anything. Like They're really, really struggling, and they've been living like this for decades and decades. So it's a very – and by the way, I should also say Egypt controls the southern border of it. So it's not like Egypt is helping them or the other Arab states are helping them either. So they are – it's it's not just Israel. I mean they, they're completely being targeted by everybody. They're locked into this kind of cage, and, and they don't have any independence. So I, I don't think – I think that's very different than, for example, when you have a terrorist. In Saudi Arabia, coming to the U.S. and attacking the Twin Towers, I mean, it's a totally, totally, totally different thing. Um, so I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of using that term blanketly upon everybody. With Hamas, yes, I think it applies. Now, the, does it apply to a kind of recklessness with civilian child lives? This is a problem. If you believe in martyrdom, if you believe in life after death, if you believe that okay, death is this amazing thing, if you die for God, then you know you go to heaven. And, and if, if you believe in that kind of thing, then yes, you do devalue life. The very concept of martyrdom. And dying for a good cause, right, that's divine and life continuing afterwards is a an insult to life on Earth. It's a devaluation of life on Earth. So that, that question you're right about. That, that's my view on it. I don't know, Armin, if you agree, then we can move on to the next one.
2: Uh, no the main the, the main reason why there's differences in body count is because Israel has much a stronger military um, power than Hamas does. That's the main reason. Um but however, I do have to say that religion is, okay, so again, this is not a binary thing. People are like, oh, is is it religion?" Um, Or is it not religion that has an influence on the um, activities on the Palestinian side? Um, It is religion and there's many other things as well. The people who want to deny the role of religion uh, completely, they are idiots. And the people who want to say that this is just because of religion and religion is so... so, um, they're also idiots, okay? Obviously, religion has a role, but obviously, there are many other factors. Um, the level of desperation, the, the condition that these people are living in, um, th- this is just the poverty, the lack of job, the lack of hope for any for uh, anything coming in future. All of this is like major fuel for radicalization, and having a religious ideology that supports that, it just, it's a perfect way for you to use it. Um, so it's like, yeah, the religious radicalization uh, helps, but you also need the base to work on because if, if it was just because of religion, then we wouldn't, we would see these activities, um, by, you know, Muslims in Tunisia, which we don't, right? So it is not just like a one, it's not just one factor, but religion has an influence, but the difference in body cancer is mostly because of the difference in the military power that each side has. Anyways, here's mm-hmm. the last question. Here's another question. Uh, question?
1: Okay, Armin has said that he thinks a one-state solution is inevitable. Do you think there's still at all a chance that a state could be secular and democratic with equal rights for both Jews and Palestinians? That we, we, so we've already covered this, yeah, some we did cover this in yeah. the podcast. Can I say one thing about this? Go ahead.
2: Um,
1: ima- imagine, and I I I read this, I don't know whose idea this was, imagine if every week after like Friday prayers, I think it was Thomas Friedman who said it, all of the Palestinians just came out with signs said that said we want voting rights, completely peaceful, no nothing, no issue. They just said give us the right to vote, and images of that. Those are the images that went viral around the world. Okay, all of them just came out and said that there's no violence, there's no rockets, just voting rights protests coming out. Like, and and that's it. That's all that happened. I don't. I think that that would be so much more powerful. I mean, that's the kind of thing. That I, that I think would put a lot of pressure on israel but but, but that's not something that that's going to happen I, I don't know how much hope there is for this region i don't think no,
2: the, a lot the, there. yeah it does, doesn't seem there is much hope there seems like the conflict is going to continue and might get a lot worse uh i'm again doesn't look very good but i am really hoping that well i'm actually don't i don't think there's much of a chance but the The only the only way out of this is to stop the settlement, and that has seemed to become impossible. The one state solution, um, you know, once we get there, once we get there, um, after maybe a very ugly phase maybe we're going to get to a situation we will probably at, at that point we'll get to a situation where things are better like we we probably live in a completely different world by then if if like jews and and arabs live side by side without caring about each other's religion or ethnicity but before we get there it's going to be ugly and i don't i can't it's not even safe for me to describe how ugly that that could look right um so forget like you say would it be a secular democratic like the concerns that i have is way beyond whether it's going to be like not only it will not be like we might not have secular democracy what i'm what i'm if we don't have secular democracy but avoid that image that i that i have i'm seeing in my head i see that as a win like secular democracy at, at that point if we reach there would be such a Ideal, like so much above what I'm hoping for, that that seems like a dream. Like, I'm just hoping for a lot of bloodshed, or me, like, let's because,
1: just say, let's just clip that part. I'm just hoping for a lot of bloodshed. No,
2: I'm hoping for not like w- between a lot of bloodshed and some bloodshed. I'm just hoping for some bloodshed. You know what I mean? Like, it looks like not i just hoping like there's not going to be rivers of blood okay so you guys are talking about like oh well we have secular democracy like um can we like focus on avoiding full on outright confrontational war at some point again guys this is like a you're you're sitting on a box of explosive in in the in the region you have a whole bunch of arabs who have not do not have the rights to live based on their own decisions and their choice with freedom and full, full rights. And this will one day open. Like this, the gates to this hell that has been created will one day open, right? So you have heaven at one point aside and the, the hell that you created right next to this heaven is becoming overcrowded and the walls will one day crack. And I'm think I'm imagining once this wall cracks, and it f- flows into this heaven what that is going to look like it, uh, can we can we avoid a full on confrontation of war i'm not even thinking like oh can we have secular democracy like no we're not even <laughs> can we just avoid not like a full on bloodshed like that's what i'm thinking like so that's uh, that's what i'm yeah. that's what i'm trying to avoid I, i'm yeah. thinking of trying that people are try- need to avoid the only way you could avoid the only way you could avoid that by the way Is to tell to to unite people, Palestinians, and Israel. You know the cheesy kumbaya. Hey, we're Arabs and Jews, we could live with each other and screw the politicians. You know those cringy things that make your your skin crawl and want to puke. Unfortunately, that's what we need right now. Okay. We need cringy kumbaya puke worthy videos of people like oh peace we could like screw the politicians all those things that i hate to even watch because it's just the cringe is not worth like i hope other people watch it i don't want to see it that's what we need right now okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like the islamic unicorn that we talked about Funny. yeah yeah on eid the eid unicorn okay um so let's just do i'm i'm i i i can do let's do five more minutes and let's do one or two more questions if that's okay
2: all right, picked, um, you could tell me which questions to highlight in
1: the live chat. Yeah, so I mean, there's some comments. So there's one question here from Alex of Oz, the panel logician, at 11.39 p.m. Uh, well, oh, from, here. for me, it's 11.39. Yeah, he's saying, so I think this is, because this is something we haven't covered. Sorry, guys, a lot of the questions you you have here, we have sort of covered. So, mm-hmm. um, But this is, he's like, which is worse, allowing 100 kids to be killed or preventing 100 kids from being killed, but in the process, killing 50 different kids? Um this is a question that comes up a lot, and it's that whole idea of, look, the hardest decisions in life, yes, are the ones between bad and worse. When you, they're not between good and bad. You have to choose between bad and worse. And if you choose the bad, then a lot of people will be totally oblivious that there is a worse alternatives, and they're gonna, you're gonna get crap either way. This, I don't think, is one of those things. I think we talked about this avoiding being right. able to avoid
2: killing, um, you know, child casualties. Um, so yeah, I think if I think this situation, if you like look at it, it just what about what's happening in the past few days, it seems like it's an obvious utilitarian calculation about the number of civilians death, right? Uh, but again, i need I need people to be able to zoom out and look at the bigger picture and see that Israel didn't need to be in this position that they have to choose between fifty kids or one hundred kids, okay? this has been forced upon this has been a coalition of hamas and netanyahu forcing this upon the palestinian and israeli people and the problem is that israelis and palestinians have been fooled to choose this for themselves netanyahu was voted by the israelis hamas was voted by palestinians right so the the solution to this is to try to get Palestinians, again, this is a solution that is impossible, but it it seems, uh, and Israelis to realize their enemies is within. The call is coming from inside the home. Okay? That's what the story needs to be told. That's the story that needs to be told. Here, we have a, at the bottom, we have a question here.
1: Okay. So uh, what kinds of effects do you think the pressure placed by the international community can have on the situation, especially as Israel increasingly becomes a pariah in the West? Yeah, so this is a great question. That's a
2: whole stream. That's a whole stream right there. Yeah, there's a
1: whole stream on it. And maybe we should do this stream because, you know, I I was thinking about this and I want to talk, Michelle, like earlier I said that, you know, Thomas Friedman's idea that if – After every once a week, after Friday prayers, all Palestinians, Gaza, West Bank, whoever wants independence, which all of them do, um, just come out with these mass peaceful marches, like the women's march, like and all these things, uh, just saying, "Give us the right to vote. We want democracy. Give us the right to vote." And that's if you're talking about the international community and the pressure on the international community, that is a thing that's going to go viral, especially in the social media age. This is Israel is going to be. Uh, it's going to be impossible, impossible for Israel to ignore. It's going to be impossible for Western countries to say, okay, we stand with what Israel doing, what Netanyahu is doing. It's going to be impossible for them to make that case because it's going to come across and appear anti-democratic, which it is. Which it is.
2: Right? Can I respond to this also? Yeah. All right. So I, I have to... Uh, can you meet yourself? Oh, yeah, there we go. Um, right now... We are talking. We are seeing for the first time democratic politicians in the United States discussing more more than just Bernie Sanders talking about making aid to Israel conditional. Okay, this is unimaginable to be spoken by so many politicians in the United States this openly. This used to be political suicide. Okay. Even suggesting this used to be political suicide. The, The views right now in the United States are shifting. And the fact that Democrats are now in power shows how bad of an investment Netanyahu made to, first of all, when Obama was in power to turn his back on Obama and go to the Republicans directly in Congress and then when trump was in power making all of his investment with trump and trump becoming so unpopular right after in the united states made and then with all the black lives matter and all the like fighting for the oppressed all of that together made netanyahu's investment in republicans and trump a, such a bad idea that now everything is now firing back on him yeah everything yeah, is yeah. firing back on him right so uh, this was this was a bet, uh, you know this was a bet that Netanyahu made, and, and now you can see that he's re- the return yeah. uh, again. The, the, and one thing else that is very interesting is that now the people, now the lobbyists, like uh, Israeli lobbyists in the United States, and all the uh, advisors and all these think tanks and institutions are realizing that not only they can't rely on Americans, uh, the, the public opinion in the United States is very quickly shifting against them and not only the people the politicians now in power are also i mean even Biden, Biden is very traditional so he will still uh, is in his instinct to constantly say israel has a right to defend uh, to uh, defend itself but the more and more democrats are saying it, it uh, are talking differently um but uh, they know that they can't rely on demo- de- democrats uh, the con- congress and american people the interesting thing is that israel now sees that they can't even rely on jewish americans jewish americans opinions is now pro- more pro palestinian is that- uh, than israel as well the only the, it's very interesting because israel can israel is now realizing that they need uh, evangelicals in the united states more than they need Jewish people in in, in, uh, in America more than they need. Jew- Jewish Americans are less reliable as a source of support for for Israel in the future than evangelical americans like the christian yeah. americans are now the main group that they need to appeal to as a source for yeah. political power
1: there's i i can and then again this is the last question because i gotta go but i i have to reiterate this point there's in addition to those things that you said about him coming netanyahu coming and addressing the republicans in congress and everything biden went to visit biden himself as vice president went to visit israel and the same day Right, the Israelis started like doing this, all this uh, construction on new settlements and demolitions. And uh, if I remember correctly, and he took that very, very badly. So there's bad blood between them, uh, on a very, very direct level. And here's the thing: I grew up. When I grew up, Democrats and Republicans alike, the one thing that they were that had bipartisan, unwavering support on was alliance with Israel. Israel is our biggest ally. We have to support them no matter what. Democrats, Republicans. It used to frustrate Muslims everywhere. Netanyahu decided his calculation was, you know what? Instead of having both parties, let's just put it down to one. Let's just make Republicans our friends. That was his calculation. This is how big of an idiot this guy is. Like He just decided to take a bipartisan support and decide to go – just with one party, Netanyahu
2: party. is not an idiot. Um, he just needed. Uh, oh, this a, was an
1: idiotic move. That's what I'm saying. This short
2: term, so Netanyahu is desperate to stay in power, so short term it might have made sense, but it did backfire long term. Mm. Um,
1: it was obvious it was going to backfire long term. There's no way you could do that, and if you're going from like full support of everybody to just half, it's it's just yeah. it's. An I obvious just say based,
2: based on his, based on everything he's achieved, Net, uh, Netanyahu is he's a hard man to bet against. But he, his time might has might have come. But so far, it's amazing how much he's yeah, managed we'll, to we'll survive. We'll see where
1: Israel is in like the next five, six years, and we'll see how much. No, but yeah, yeah. His, him time,
2: his time has come. He might have. He come. His come. Time we'll okay. see. Okay. we'll see. All right, okay, Anyways. guys,
1: everybody, thank you very much for joining us. I, I, this is a great thing. Now, now, for those of you who do become patrons, you can go and you, you can have your questions asked first. You ask your questions ahead of time on the Patreon page. It's Patreon.com/sjme. You can become a patron for less than a dollar a month. Uh, go on there if you like what you see. Uh you can watch all of these streams live and you can also comment and you can you can really uh, you know participate in this whole thing and we'd we'd love to do that. And our patron count is increasing. It's mm-hmm. going up now. So uh mm-hmm. I think that we're doing something right. So please absolutely do that. We're gonna have two I think QAs it's the
2: fact that I think it's the fact that we're letting people ask questions ahead of time. I think it's
1: the that's time. yeah, I think that's a great thing. Armin, good job. Good job, yeah. good job. Um Monday night we've got Harris Sultan to talk about Pakistan. So mm-hmm. Uh, he's coming in Monday night, so make sure you don't miss that one if you're a patron.
2: Okay. Closing. Can I give closing remarks? Yeah. Long live Israel. Defend Israel against her enemies, which are Netanyahu, ultra-Orthodox Judaism, and far-right political parties. Long <laughs> live Israel.
1: <laughs> that, okay, so we gotta, that's a clip that you got to put as a promo for this episode. All right, guys. Thank you very much. It was wonderful. And I Armin, mean, I'd love to All hang right. out after, but I can't. All right.
0: Okay. All right. Bye, guys. Right. Bye. The Secular Jihadists have been made possible thanks to the Illuminati and the covert support of Israel and the CIA. That's what we have been told, but we haven't received our checks yet. If you like what we do, please support us. Share the podcast with your friends. Write and tweet us with topic and guest suggestions. Or head over to secularjihadists.com and give a dollar or more for exclusive access to live video. Have your questions read and answered on the air and more. Till next time, may the flying spaghetti monster be with you. (laughs) you <laughs>